to another pro tip conversation. Uh, today, Anish and I are talking with Bree Nitter. Um, Bree is a professional Muay Thai, fighting, Muay Thai fighter currently living and competing in Thailand. Uh, her fighting record is an 11-1 amateur record and 7-0 professional record. Uh, so she was with uh, Team USA IFMA 2021, USMTO and TBA 2021 national champion, WCE 61 kilogram title, Glory 88 Team Van Soest, Soest? Yeah, Van Soest. Right, way off, sorry. Uh, Team Primo and Phuket Singhai Muay Thai sponsor, athlete, and current WMO number five professional world ranking in your division, which is 61 kilograms. Yes. Okay, I think I got through that. <laughs> Good job. Um, yeah, and let's, yeah, and just, I guess just to get going, uh, well, one, thanks for joining us today. I know you're in Thailand and this time difference is kind of crazy, but we really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, um, no problem. Yeah. And what, so what, what got you going and started in Muay Thai? Uh, so it's a funny story. I actually got started on Muay Thai with a Groupon. I didn't even know what Muay Thai was. And uh, my ex-boyfriend bought me a Groupon to a yeah. Muay Thai gym that was across the street from where I was living. And yeah, I, had, I didn't even know what Muay Thai was. And, uh, yeah. but I was hooked from day one. Was that in, was that gym, was that Fine Fitness or was another gym you started with? Uh, no, it was K1. So at the other end of Van Ness in San Francisco. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah I was living on Polk in Washington and it was really cool. And I think it was uh, a big factor because there were two women who were running a women's program inside the gym and they had both okay. lived and fought in Thailand. So they were really oh, okay. influential in getting me started and getting me interested in Thailand and yeah. Yeah. And how long did you train at that for? About a year. About a year. Yeah. And then how'd you find, was it Rise Combat when you found it? What, Fight and Fitness Rise Combat? Yeah. So in the first year, um, started Muay Thai. I was doing double days. I was getting up early and then going again after work and I wanted I to fight. To... Yeah. Yeah. So I jumped like fully in and they, you know, I was always really athletic and, um, even after like college sports, I always stayed in shape. Um, so I kind of already had that going for me and they planned a trip to Thailand. Um, so we went out to Thailand in March, 2017 and I had a fight okay. out here. Um, oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Um, and did you, did you, I mean, you must, did you do a bunch of smokers before that? Or, or amateur I did fights, one or did you just go smoker. Yeah, I did one smoker oh, okay. against a girl I was supposed to fight like much later uh, as an amateur, yeah. which was funny. Um, yeah, because it's kind of a small community. Um, and then I found really yeah. yeah, rise and fight fitness through okay. uh, with the women's gym. It kind of like they needed to find a new location, and they were kind of shopping around. But it kind of like that group kind of fizzled out. Um, okay. so with them, I just had gone to try fight and fitness and yeah, then I met Bunker and I was going to classes yeah. there and then Bunker pulled me in to join the fight team. But for some reason, nice. Bunker called me, he told Tony who was working the front desk, like, yeah. uh, oh, he was talking about me, but he was referring, he's saying Brittany from Arizona. And it's like, <laughs> why he called me Brittany and why he thought I was from Arizona, I have no idea. But yeah, that's kind of a joke. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. 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 And do you train primarily with Bunker? Do you train with Nuncium at all? Uh, no, I never trained with Nuncium. Uh, yeah. yeah, I always trained with Bunker. And um, so I started training with him in 2017. And we had like a really good thing going. And like the more I learned about Thailand later, he really did yeah. like Thai style training with like the four or five fighters that we had at the time. Um, so yeah, he'd do pads with each of us individually while the other people did bag and then we did sparring. Um, but his system was really similar to what I'm doing now over here. Oh yeah. 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 That's interesting here. Cause for folks who don't know, like Bunker came out of the old school Muay Thai Thailand world and, you know, lived and trained in Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> and I think kind of just for different reasons and how the gym has grown and changed with COVID, like he's not really doing that style with like his little fight team anymore. 
So I just feel like oh, okay. it was really special um, time. Yeah. 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 And then had you, you, you hadn't done martial arts previously to that. No, starting no, not that. at all. <laughs> but you did say you played pretty high level volleyball. Yeah. So, yeah. I've been an athlete like my whole life. So I did club growing up um, for volleyball. I was like almost six feet tall since I was like 12. They wanted me okay. to play basketball, yeah. but I did not like basketball and then got into volleyball. Yeah. Um, and then eventually got a college scholarship. So I played at Oregon State back in the Pac-10 days. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that was great. Um, so, yeah. So you've been an athlete for a really long time and then just found Muay Thai and just kind of fell in love with the sport. Uh, that's awesome. And then you sound, it sounded like when you started Muay Thai, you kind of felt like you wanted to compete right from the start. Yeah, so I think that was what was missing from my life for a while, like a long time since I always was an athlete, but then kind of when college volleyball came to a close, like I was very yeah. fed up with like my whole life being run by volleyball. Um, okay. So I kind of went away from that. Um, I did pretty much, I mean, constantly doing sports and was really into my gym. I lived in Europe um, for like six and a half years and okay. did like crossfit and spin and was always running um but i wasn't competing so i think that uh when i found muay thai like that competitive drive came out in me again okay yeah awesome um <clears throat> i think so you kind of said this so you have you lived abroad before before you moved to thailand so that was an entirely new experience uh just getting out of the country and living somewhere else yeah yeah that's definitely not different um i mean europe and asia are very different but well, yeah <laughs> but i think like being kind of on my own and being in a new country and uh being away from home like yeah that was a familiar situation yeah so you said you started the first the, the groupon incident that was 2017 when you first got into it 2016 2016 oh wow so in just six years uh you've come this far so that's pretty awesome um yeah, that's wild. <laughs> what at what point when you started did you start thinking about okay maybe moving to thailand is maybe that's an option for me uh, at this point um i got my first taste of thailand when i came out here with the women's group that i was training with and it always kind of seemed like a long shot but something that was in my mind um and yeah, so I don't know. I think I kind of always had it in the back of my mind. And as the more I was training, the more like I wanted to move over here and do it full time. Uh, but kind of deciding how much I wanted to completely give up everything in USA. And if it was going to be coming out here to train full time for like three months or six months. And what I've learned from being out here, um, if you do want to commit to it, it's just the whole country is set up for training. So there's people here who will train me for five to six hours a day and my gym sponsors me. So that's all paid for. Um, mm -hmm. And then America has a great Muay Thai scene and a lot of like really awesome fighters, but it's a small scene and it's so mm -hmm. far from kind of the hub of Muay Thai. So being over here, like if you really want to make it and go far and have fight opportunities and get all of that training like you really have to stay and if right. you want to make it a career you kind of got to stay here for a long time <laughs> yeah so, so when was it that you moved there on more of a permanent basis um so i had planned i'd been saving money um i saved money for almost three years kind of not knowing how long i would be over here but wanting to do it and I yeah. quit my job at the end of 2019 and moved to Bangkok in January 2020. And then, oh wow, yeah. So oh, right. that was kind of a nightmare. <laughs> the, yeah, the timing was yeah. tough. <laughs> like, I had an amazing job. I was doing great. I loved right. my job. And then now I, here I am. Muay Thai is canceled for the foreseeable future. And I'm unemployed. Jeez. Yeah, alone in Bangkok. So... Yeah, the first go was kind of an epic fail. Um, <laughs> then I went back to San Francisco, uh, Oakland, 
and kind of just did this and that. And then I started um, helping out with Fight Fitness, which is now Rise Combat, um, yeah. co-managing it and doing teaching and doing private and kind of doing like whatever I could to kind of stay afloat, not eat yeah. too much into my savings. Um, <clears throat> and then Thailand finally opened up again uh to americans in september 2021 so i came out soon after that oh wow so you had to kind of bide your time for a year and a half just to, you know keep the dream alive uh, effectively right yeah because so, i mean had yeah. i kind of gone back to working like a corporate job like i feel like i would have been giving up yeah. it's like usually if you go to you kind of committed to that um so yeah i kind of waited and waited. And luckily 2021, um, 2020 was obviously a kind of a nothing year for Muay Thai, but, um, I was really lucky to be able to continue training. Um, Bunkered lives about five miles away from me. So I would run to his house and we'd do pads in the backyard and then I'd run home. So some days I was trying to keep my, my Thailand shape, running almost 10 miles, doing pads with wow. Bunkered. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> I had this vision of Bunker being, I mean, if you have met Bunker, Bunker's a shorter guy and you're like six feet tall. Yeah. Like, like, yes. I've seen him do it for guys who are like six, three. And he can do it. But. You know, when he teaches classes, he tells people like, do same your partner's level. So if you're with the tall yeah, partner, you yes. gotta hold pads up here. Yeah, he'll do it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That, that's pretty awesome. I mean, this is, I guess this wasn't, um, part of the original questions, but, you know, given, given the story that you're telling us, you know, at, did, at any point, did you consider that, you know, maybe I will go back to a corporate job or, or like what kind of kept you going, uh, you know, or, cause at one point with COVID, we didn't know when the light at the end of the tunnel was right. Like it was, it just seemed like it was going to go on forever. Nobody knew when things would open up. So, you know, what, what, you know, kind of kept you motivated to keep going? Um, 2021 was a better year. So there was a good amount of fights. So I fought, I think, six six times in 2021. And I did both those mm-hmm. national tournaments and then um, was on the IFMA Team USA team. So I think um, I got to kind of have more productivity and like, re- like reaching my fighting goals in 2021. But yeah, it, it was tough. I think also even though i love muay thai um i think there's not a ton of money in it and so there's like a lack of financial security which is very challenging um so i think there's always kind of the like i know there'd be it'd be an easier road for sure to go back to doing uh kind of a more corporate job makes sense um i guess in terms of your time in Thailand, uh, how has it been adjusting to a new country? I, I guess you said you lived in Europe for a while, so you have some experience, but um, I think Asia is quite different uh, than than Europe, right? So Yeah, and Phuket's special. Um, it's like, I think, the most touristy part of Thailand, probably. So um, English is spoken in most places almost to my detriment, like I'm studying Thai and I'm like, oh, yeah. oh I want to practice Thai. And even when I practice my Thai, they usually answer me in English. Um, English. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, Phuket is, like I said, more touristy. So you do have access to like Western food and, um, but I guess, I mean, it's been an okay adjustment. I had made three or four, I think four trips to Thailand before moving to Phuket. So I kind of knew how Thailand was. Um, mm-hmm. But I think uh, the more you're here, you kind of learn to live like the Thais live. And like maybe $20 doesn't sound like that much, but that's 700 baht. Like that's a lot of money. Right. So it's kind of like if you want right. to be out here long term, you learn to kind of live in a more economic way and kind of do how the Thais do. It's a sharp contrast to San Francisco, which is like – yeah. very expensive right? yeah and when i get like worried about something being expensive i'm like free that's like 20 dollars. like you would send 20 dollars yeah. on like not even a full a meal yeah. yeah it's like four coffees in yeah. in san francisco yeah it's crazy. it's crazy um when you were moving there i guess uh in one of these trips is that how you found the gym that you're currently at or how did you find or pick the gym uh so in my kind of 
waiting period to come out here. I had done tons of research on all these different gyms and Phuket was kind of, it was at the time, it was the only place that was open to tourists, which was good because a lot of the Bangkok shows had moved down here um, because Mm -hmm. there was a higher concentration of Farangs. And um, so, yeah, I knew I had to come to Phuket. So I researched all the gyms here. And then um, when I landed, I put up, like a story at the Phuket airport and Phuket Singha crew Pat sent me a message saying, welcome to Thailand. And um, I was, they were on my list of places to train. And so I was like, Oh, thank you so much. Like, can I come train with you? And they're like, yeah, come, come. And so um, they kind of swooped in that way. And then just when I, when I got here and started training at Singha, I had intentions of going to like other places, but I liked it so much. I just ended up staying. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think you touched on this a little bit in terms of the number of hours you train uh, in, in Thailand, but how it, have, have you seen any other differences in the way people train in Thailand versus in us? Um, yeah. In Thailand, since it's like a Muay Thai system, it's like, the NBA, the NFL, that Major League Baseball is like Muay Thai here. So there's tons right. of coaches. And so all of the gyms, like back in USA, I think a lot of the gyms either do like drilling classes or like partner pad classes um, where here there's a tie holding for you. So you're getting like really, really good pad work every single class. Um, and then if you stay here a long time or – even if you're here a shorter amount of time, they usually line you up with like one trainer. So that trainer is going to hold for you every day and kind of help you make adjustments and teach you their style. Um, yeah. So I guess that's probably the different biggest difference in like how classes are back in USA. And I guess if, if because of how popular it is down there, is it just a sheer volume of hours that you train is incomparable to the amount of time you would spend in, the U.S. or is that dependent on like I guess each, each fighter? Um, the expectation is, especially if you're like a sponsored fighter, um, the expectations like to be at every session. Um, and sorry, I don't know if I really understood the question. Oh, I guess um, I was just wondering whether like in the U.S. Uh, are the pros training the same amount of hours as in Thailand, for example, or is it is it just go above and beyond in Thailand. Yeah, Thailand is crazy. And I don't know if <laughs> sports science has caught up to tradition here. <laughs> so sometimes I definitely think we're kind of overdoing it a little bit. Um, but I think it's really good. Like for me with my coach here, Crew Lai, like I feel like there's days where I don't even have to say anything and we're on a vibe that Bree shouldn't hit pads today. You know what I mean? Or this morning. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So I think they kind of understand. And once like you've been here, like I've been here almost a year and a half. And uh, so I think my conditioning, like I'm definitely like so much stronger than I've ever been. Um, Like I I had an injury and didn't train in December. And then I started hitting pads, like what would that be? January 2nd. And then they're like, you want to fight on Friday? I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I was kind of freaked out, but I think like, I was actually like pretty much okay because I think just like from the volume, like my base level of fitness, oh, there's a cat behind me, (laughs) (laughs) is uh, so much higher. Um, So I mean, as tiring and uh, maybe not scientific as it is, you can still see a benefit from the amount of hours that we put in. Yeah. And can you, I guess, tell us uh, what does your daily routine look like? um, when you're, when you're there full time? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I wake up a little before six and have my breakfast and do my little morning routine. And then we run a 10 K at seven and then training is eight to 10, but then fighters usually stay after and do a little extra conditioning. Um, and so I'll usually get home around 1045 and some of those efficiencies I talked about, like I usually cook at home. Um, so I usually make my food, um, catch up on whatever I need to do. And then <clears throat> we're back to the gym 
at 3.30. And so we run for about 20 minutes before and then training again is four to six. And then we do the same run that we do before training, after training. So it's about like 10K in the morning and then another 5K in the afternoon. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. And then same awesome. thing, evening rest. There's a lot of laundry involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's with, uh, I've seen several pictures of people who are training a lot and it's just like um, hand wraps hanging everywhere. Drying. Yeah. I'm like, you're, you're just working through all your gym gear. A friend of mine said Muay Thai is 50% running and 30% laundry. <laughs> that's funny yeah that's pretty funny um so with all of that training how frequently are you fighting like on average i guess um i mean I, i'm always ready and willing to fight as often as possible um i'd say yeah. if you can get a fight like every one to two months is pretty good and that's my goal um <laughs> yeah so i try not to pass up any opportunities that come my way Last year was a weird year. Um, I went back home in May and kind of had, that's when I decided I was gonna fully commit. So I got rid of all of my stuff. I sold my car, I liquidated my life. So um, yeah, so that kind of put me out for a little bit. And then I had a couple fights scheduled and I got COVID and then we rescheduled it and then she got COVID. So it was almost like five months where I didn't have a fight last year. Um, so you kind of don't know what's going to happen. Um, people come to Thailand and then you're scheduled to fight and then something comes up and they leave Thailand. Uh, so yeah, it, and things can happen on a moment's notice. So maybe, like I said, like the last fight I had, they told me on Wednesday that I was if asked if I wanted to fight on Friday. And I was like, okay. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess you're saying you you kind of stay in fight shape all the time, anyways. So it's just a matter of yeah showing up. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, when you're a professional, like it is your job to stay in shape and to be ready. And I think you get a lot mm-hmm. of opportunities that way. Like some people, some of my friends, I was talking to the other night. They're like, "Can't you just take a couple months off?" And but I mean, uh, Paris, who's the boxing coach, uh, yeah. yeah, Paris Alexander. Fought yeah. for the world title six times, lost all six. That's his yeah. favorite claim to fame. <laughs> um, but he he's just like the best quotes, and he's just always just like spitting out wisdom. But I remember him saying, yeah. "In boxing, there is no off season." So right. that's kind of how yeah. it is. Yeah. And then I mean, so with all of that training, how do you sort of find that balance of like like you were kind of saying that the sports science and the volume of training maybe a little out of sync. How do you stay sort of healthy and not injured? The wrong yeah, way? I have um, a pretty good base in strength and conditioning. So I'm really good with kind of like functional stuff that I do on my own just to take care of my body. Mm-hmm. And then um, Thai massage, it's nice and cheap out yeah. here. <laughs> sure, it's so nice, I, yeah. Yep, I'm on it with the massages. Um, yeah. And then also like if I'm feeling exhausted and like right now I do have a fight scheduled, but it's about five weeks out. So, um, you know, they're not always killing you. And even though it is always, it always feels very hard. It's very tiring, but for about the 10 days before you have a fight, like it is grueling. Um, yeah, yeah. But I like for now, like since I kind of have some time in the mornings, like I'll do my run and then when I get back, like I'll probably only hit pads in the morning a couple days a week. Otherwise, they'll have me just do like conditioning stuff. And yeah, so I mean, I, I can find balance. I think the more you do it, the better you get at kind of knowing your body and trusting your body and your trainers trusting you, knowing that you're not like lazy or whatever. <laughs> Is there a lot of sparring in your training? We spar almost every session, yes. Okay, yeah, so constantly. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of sparring, uh, which I think is really good. And the way it works is they kind of break people up into groups. And usually fighters all go to the ring first. um, And then you'll do three to six rounds of sparring. So everyone gets three rounds on the pads. Um, Generally, you'll do more if you have a fight coming up. So it's all broken down like three round chunks. So maybe you'll do three rounds um, 
sparring and then your coach will call you down. Some people stay in the ring and they usually do three rounds pads, three rounds bag work, and then everyone clinches at the end. Do you have to moderate the sort of sparring intensity so you don't like get worn out before a fight or something like that? Um, I mean, in Thailand, sparring is very much like supposed to be playful. And my right, gym is mostly like a Farang gym. So it doesn't yeah. have that like they don't people don't come in knowing that. They kind of come in with that more Western like, like yeah, I had my butt kicked sparring by people who are trying to win a world championship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I try to explain that to people. Um I'm pretty selective with my sparring partners. Um and I mean, what I do like about Singa is like they do put everyone together and there's all different levels, um, which is nice. But I mean, you kind of also just learn, like if I'm going with, with a beginner, like I'm not going to do too it's much easier. just because I'm not trying to like bang knees and elbows with this person who isn't, you know, very, doesn't have yeah. a lot of control, for example. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So when you are getting ready for a fight, like, do you have like a pre-fight routine like the day before or the morning of or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, I've always been a fan of look good. Feel, yeah. Feel good. Look oh, yeah. good. Feel good. Yeah. So I always do a mini fight before my fights. I always get my yeah. hair braided. Um, yeah. yeah. Get a massage. I've, I've heard that quote from Ming Siam, the feel, look good, feel good, fight good quote. Yeah. So and in another book, I heard a guy say it too from like a sports psychology book. It was like, look yeah. good, feel good, feel good, play good. Play good. And if you play good, okay. then pay good. <laughs> oh, yeah. <that's> good. So, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, like, you know, I think we like, especially like fighters too, it's kind of a more of like an individual sport. You obviously have like have your corner, but yeah. you're like, everyone's all eyes on you. So you like to look good. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah i think if i'm not mistaken that's a Dion sanders primetime uh quote that sounds yeah. right yeah <laughs> yeah and then you fought a lot now but do you still get any butterflies or anything before competition yes i think everybody does me and andrew yeah. uh andrew capurro he's another professional fighter from the bay who's um he's at singa too he's back home right now but he was here for the better part of last year and he's got like high 20s professional fights and he like you know you still get nerves um yeah. the stakes are higher like there's different circumstances like even i think like oddly enough the least nervous i ever was was when i fought at Limpini. um oh, wow. yeah so i think for that fight like i was able to just like really be grateful and appreciate the experience so much that i didn't really like i really let go of the outcome i was like this is so cool this was like a bucket list life goal um yeah. and yeah i started that fight very slow so maybe i was too chill um i won <laughs> but, yeah. but um yeah. and then i've been extremely nervous for like local stadium fights or like once I got a world ranking and then I was like, Oh God, like, what if I lose? Now I'm world ranked. And so it's like oh, right. these yeah. weird things or fighting down here, like you'll have more of your like friends in the audience. It's like, maybe they're always watching streaming, but when everyone's there in person, like maybe you're feeling nervous because of that. Um, yeah. So yeah. Or my last fight, <laughs> like they, changed it the very last minute like i was supposed to be like middle of the card and i was like filming my friend it was like his first fight ever and then they're like you're up and i was just like what <laughs> and so <laughs> i was like it, breathing it, and trying to smile and relax yeah <clears throat> and so do you have like a technique you use to calm yourself or just kind of go with it uh, I think breathing is really important and smiling and like yeah. remembering yeah. like this is fun like this is what I always right. wanted to do like if you're yeah. too uptight you know it's like I'll usually find a friend or somebody in the audience and give them a big smile and um, yeah. think on the breathing like a inhale and then a longer exhale um, it's breathing I always do to kind of just bring it down a notch do you find that your uh, background in playing competitive volleyball, does that 
did you ever get nerves the same way then or is it is it different with with Muay Thai that's a good question I don't I think I did have nerves with volleyball um yeah but is is it different though because it's a team sport it's it's a team sport so you might have other people that you can bounce things off of or like I don't know I'm I'm, I think so I think I'm trying to yeah I think there's definitely like the nerves in volleyball where it's a close game and like they set the ball to you and you got to execute and right. Or maybe like, I remember on a really big play, I like lot, and it was like, and I, I, I lost that set for us. I like launched the ball into the band. Like, <laughs> but yeah, like you said, there are um, teammates and then fighting is different. Uh, like right. it's very physical. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's like you're a right. modern day kind of like gladiator warrior getting in there like you could get very hurt you know right um so that's definitely different than rolling your ankle in volleyball (laughs) that's fair (laughs) that's definitely fair (laughs) that's the extent of my volleyball injuries yeah (laughs) yeah are you have you had to deal with too many uh injuries from fighting um some broken bones but i've been lucky enough so far not to have any kind of serious with like joints or I cut somebody I cut a girl my last fight three times and my trainer's like karma karma I'm like stop saying that so (laughs) my cuts might be coming but oh no yeah oh no yeah and then um so after you have a fight do you have some way do you kind of unwind or celebrate or just kind of yeah so since I don't get a lot of time off kind of before and I think maybe I'm a little hard on myself I'm like you gotta train you gotta train so even when I have a fight coming up as it gets closer I actually like plan part of like my pre-fight like like you're getting excited for what you're gonna do after the fight Mm, Um, so whether that's like taking a trip or I don't know, maybe getting a tattoo or just like something that you can have, like you're afforded those couple of days off. And so it's nice to have that time. Yeah. But I don't have like a it's kind of Yeah. It's kind of awesome that you're planning what you're going to do after. Cause I mean, a lot of times when you have a goal and you, you know, reach that goal, whether that's the day of the fight or whatever, it feels like, okay, what next? Right. So if you already have what next planned, then it, it, it's almost like you're able to kind of decompress immediately after knowing what's like, you're not just sitting there thinking, okay, well that's done. What do I do now? Right. Like, so yeah, uh, that's kind of cool. I think yeah. kind of like it's a good strategy. Dangle the carrot a little bit too. Yeah. Like get yeah. through this and then you can do all these fun things and go eat all nice. this good food <laughs> and you know, yeah. Yeah. As you had mentioned, you'd mentioned you got, you competed Lumpini. Um, can you tell us a bit more how that was and how the experience was? Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, women weren't allowed to compete in Lumpini until late in 2021. And Lumpini is the most prestigious uh, Muay Thai stadium um, up there. Raja Damner and, and, and Lumpini are kind of neck and neck. Um, but yeah, it's the King Stadium. It's actually owned by the Thai military. Um <laughs> Can you hear my cat fighting? It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so once women, <laughs> you guys, <laughs> <laughs> once women were allowed to fight there, I was like, yes, like I can't wait. And that was something um, I really wanted to do. Stop it. I adopted a street kitten. I adopted a cat from a friend who left Thailand. And then this street kitten kind of just showed up and I was feeding her outside for over a month. It's like, I don't need another cat. And then she worked her way into my heart. So now I have two and yeah, they're very playful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. But Bunkered was a Lumpini champion. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was such an experience to fight there and to be there. It was very surreal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I, my next fight is actually going to be at Lumpini again on March 4th. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Best of luck. Thank you. Yeah. And then, um, so do you have an experience where you had sort of a, 
bad performance or bad day and like kind of what you learn from that or how you kind of bounce back from that? Yeah, I think um, that Wim PD fight was not my favorite. I only watched it back <laughs> kind of recently. Um, that was after I hadn't fought for five months. And so I feel like there was kind of some ring rest and she was uh, also the tallest person I'd ever fought. It was funny, my October and December fight girl in October was the same height as me. And then in December, she was actually a little bit taller than me. Um, so that was a totally new experience for me dealing with the length. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I just didn't feel like I got a good flow going in that fight. Um, but the cool thing with fighting and like ideally fighting, like, at least every one to two months is that like each time like you level up a little bit more um and you can train all you want but like once the fight starts um everything you know not necessarily goes out the window but it's like you have maybe I have like 10 things I'm really good at but once you're in that ring like in order to be able to exhibit all 10 things that's like a very high level uh, thing to do and so it's kind of like as time goes on I see improvements um, which is I think the best part nice yeah because I guess in, the, in a way it's kind of all theory until the bell rings and you have to act out all of this stuff yeah and like that the girl was had a very strange style she was a very long southpaw she it okay. you know a little wild so it's almost um easier to fight against people with experience because they're slightly more predictable where when there's somebody who's like very wild and unorthodox you're like what the heck is going on yeah Yeah, i've definitely (laughs) faces at much lower level competitions of people just getting hurt by complete brand new amateurs because they're just doing completely unexpected things and you're just not prepared for it yeah definitely Um, what do you think is one of the toughest aspects of being sort of a pro fighter and living kind of the fighter lifestyle? Mm, <clears throat> I think I've learned this kind of more and more as time's like gone by and has, uh, as I've been doing it just with um, like the sacrifice because like it's, mm. it is my dream and like I am so lucky to be doing this and everyone, you know, is like, wow, that's so cool. You're pursuing your dream. But then there's like a lot that you give up. You know, so it's like, I, like, I love California. I love my family. Um, But right now, like, I don't get to be around them. And a ticket home is like, um, over a month of like money in Thailand. So it's, there's a lot of sacrifice. I think I said earlier, like, financial stability, um, like, Muay Thai, unfortunately, um, until you get to the top levels. And even then, like, not many people are making very much money um, on Muay Thai. So kind of like I started doing some private. So then I'm hoping like working with like pro tips start to make like some more income kind of just by like being like a subject matter expert, being able to like teach or um, share my experience. So I can still kind of like make some more money um, doing Muay Thai. But I think like the financial aspect is a big thing. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like we've talked to different athletes who have talked about just different ways they've like made sort of their sport and their passion also into something that like lets them get paid and keep doing what they're doing, you know, be that running a, a gym or becoming a trainer or something else like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think also Instagram is really important. Um, I didn't like, I wasn't really a social media person, but like, as you. Mm-hmm like show up on the internet every day and contribute and make yourself a persona. Um, then like some people will reach out to me and be like, I'm, they'll want me to just do a little post about their company. And so kind of getting like some social media money as that comes in, which is nice too, but also like balancing because you don't want to just become like an ads platform for other people. Um, right. yeah. Yeah. I guess it's a nice way to share out because you get a, a perspective and experience that a lot of folks haven't had, you know, so that's kind of a cool way to, to yeah. share Yeah, and like my, the bottom line is when I'm 80 or whatever, or when I have kids, it's like when I look back at this, I'm not going to be like, 
man, I wish I kept that sales job and made money. Like, no, it's going to be the best thing to reminisce on when I'm older, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You'll have some great stories, I'm sure. Yeah. I think it's awesome hearing like, you know, chase, like it's, it's so true, but sometimes it's overlooked, which is that when you're chasing your dream, there are so many sacrifices that have to go into it that people don't see. And then they only see the final product, which is you're doing so well, right. Uh, in the fights and whatnot, but there's so much that work that has to go into that, including the sacrifices. So yeah, yeah kudos to you. And I, I think it's like in Phuket too, is like, this is such like a vacation destination or like a lot of my friends are like digital nomads. And so like, they're either like, they have the time and the money to kind of go do more things. And I like, I kind of have to like pass up on a lot of stuff because like, Hey, I can't really afford to go on this trip with you guys or like, I can't take the time off because I have training. So training. Yeah. So it's kind of, and I think I also realized that like for what I have given up, like I'm not going to half-ass this either, you know? Right. So you have to be like dedicated if you do want to like reach that highest level. Makes sense. I guess switching gears a little bit, I think you touched upon this. Uh, so you mentioned Bunkard was, I guess, one of your first coaches, right? Uh, it, would you say he's been the biggest coaching influence in in your career so far? Yeah, yeah. Definitely the coach that I worked with for the longest um, and competed the most under. And then we actually are just, like, very close, um, uh, especially, like, during the pandemic. And, I mean, he's lived in USA, but he's – you know, his English isn't amazing. <laughs> so, he's yeah. A, he's a quiet talker, too. Cause I've seen him do classes. <laughs> People that are like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he trained me. And then, like, I, like, actually helped him get his citizenship. And then I, like, would help him take care of, like, some, like, stuff with, like, his, like, child support or, like, whatever it is. Like, got him health insurance, take him to the doctor. So... Yeah, we became like very, very close. And I was working at the gym and my schedule was always the same as Bunkert's schedule. So we were there like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, daytime, and then Tuesday, Thursday afternoon. Um, Yeah, so definitely. How has, I guess, working with them uh, shaped your training philosophy or even like your coaching philosophy? Um. I think Bunkard, like, he is a basics man. And I think a lot of people, they like, they either want a shortcut or they want to do the flashy stuff. They want to do spinny stuff and jumping stuff. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's kind of fun to teach in class. But I think like, if you want to be a fighter, like I think the fundamentals are so important. Um, <clears throat> even last Friday on one Lupini on the show, I, I watched in uh like there was all these foreigners doing like spinning heel kicks and flying knees and the ties were just finishing them with like basics with kicks with like <laughs> nice cross and so yeah. bunkard says like one of his things like uh i know i know it's really boring but like always doing kicking 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 you know just like drilling the basics yeah. and and i guess what's the best advice you've received from not just monk, any trainer, I guess. It's mm, the best advice. That's hard. Um, I guess Bunker always say fight anybody. And so I think mm. that's a good one. Um, I think if you wait until you're ready and pass up on opportunities, they might not come to you and uh, kind of like you miss every shot that you don't take. Um, yeah. Yeah. My first loss only loss was at IFMA in December of 2021. And then my first fight after that was uh, against the number one ranked Thai uh, fighting in MMA gloves. And she's, yeah, she has like 300 fights. Like oh, wow. she breaks yeah. people's noses. Like we're fighting in small gloves. Yeah, so and, folks who don't know MMA gloves are very small and they hurt. Yes. <laughs> and, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. My confidence was really low. And uh, I wanted to fight her at some point, but I didn't think it was going to be like now. Um, 
but yeah, um, I ended up winning that fight. We were one and one after the second round and it's entertainment Muay Thai. So it's three, three minute rounds. And then, so had to go into the third round and I got a, a standing eight count. So on her. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I kind of stole it at yeah. the end because I think had yeah. I not like her kind of being the star kind of could have gone either way. So She's I was crowd, crowd favorite coming in, you think? Or? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. She's bossy tong. She's yeah. She's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess to that point, what, do you think makes a successful trainer? Uh, what makes a good trainer? Um, I think balance. Yeah. So I think like kind of knowing when to push and when not to push. Um, yeah. And then also, yeah, because I think it's a very delicate balance, just like knowing when to push them harder or when it's kind of time to call it for the day. Um, and I think that's something that, yeah, like Crew Lie has kind of found that with me. Um, I also worked with uh, a lot with Thai Sabano after I came back from Thailand in um, April 2020. So during the pandemic time, like I started training with Thai. Um, he helped me like a lot with my boxing. Um, he's more of a kickboxing style. So probably a little bit to Bunker's chagrin, I kind of branched out a little bit on my basics, but I think like it was important and it was, it was very beneficial. Um, but Ty was also kind of very good about knowing like when to push and when to call it. And I guess on the flip side, what makes a successful student? Listen, do not, even if you think you know better, there's so many guys out here who they want to argue with the coach who just don't like, or who you're, who, maybe you're tired and they're telling you to do something. And I think like a good student, like shut up and do the work. Um, and a lot of people either think they know better or lack that maturity. Um, so yeah, I think that's a big one. Yeah. Cool. Um, I guess we have a couple more questions before we jump into the rapid fire. So yeah, kind of uh, wrapping up here, but yeah, what last questions for you. Was there something or anything that surprised you about Muay Thai when you first kind of got introduced to it? Mm, that surprised me. Huh. Um, I mean, it's something I've kind of accepted now, but there's a big difference between like men and women and Muay Thai and different customs and, uh yeah. some some of that is changing and i think a lot of people credit like stamped vertex with kind of um starting like to change things for women because i think before women like i mean at the end of the day especially in thailand it's about money it's about gambling um the men make more money the men's fight are more interesting or whatever they're gonna say um but i think stamp really kind of led the way for women and kind of making women's fights, like putting them on the map. Um, yeah. yeah. I like, I've gotten used to it, <laughs> but like, I mean, I, some people are like, you go under the ropes and the guys go over and I'm just like, yeah, you know, like, Oh, is that a thing? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. A, yeah. So like yeah. when you go to fight, um, and even if you're not fighting, like maybe we just had someone fight and we're all going to go in the ring to take a picture Everyone can go yeah. through the ropes, but the females, we have to like roll under the ropes. Oh, um, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so at the start of a fight, they'll pull the ropes down for a guy to go over yeah. the top rope, but women, they kind of like pull them up so you can like get under there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah. definitely some like yeah. gender disparity. Disparity, um, yeah. But I, I, I think like at my gym, I feel respected i think like even like with the time i've been there and the work that i've put in like i'm treated exactly the same as everybody um so i mean that's not something i've run into at my gym but i know yeah. like other females kind of have complained um or i've just heard about things that happen at other gyms so i think it's it's a male dominated sport so it's always going to be a little challenging or you know yeah. egos and just kind of different right. things. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any tips or advice for somebody who's new and coming into Muay Thai? 
I'd say to be consistent. I think that's really important. Um, it's not going to happen fast and it's not going to happen through osmosis. So I think like those 10,000 hours um, is just a good theory and you kind of just got to go in. Um, I think also uh, watching fights is important because I see like some people come in and maybe they're like drilling the basics and then um, but they don't necessarily know what to do. And I think for me, I was so new to Muay Thai in the beginning that like the first couple times I got into like the ring, I was like, what do I do? You know? <laughs> so I think, uh, it's important to like watch fights too and kind of see how Muay Thai is done. Yeah. yeah that's good. Okay. I got a few rapid fire questions for you. Uh, so quick questions, no wrong answers. Um, do you have a favorite exercise? Favorite exercise? Um, I think anything with bands for hips and shoulders is really important. Yeah. And do you have a least favorite? Um, pull-ups, but I think they're really, really important. And I try to keep myself honest and do my pull-ups <laughs> every day, but they are not fun. Yeah. <laughs> and do you have like a favorite pair of gloves, brand of gloves? You know, they are my sponsor, but I feel extremely lucky because I think their gear is incredible. Uh, Primo yes. Fightwear, for Primo sure. Fight. And then best local Thai food around you? Mm, there's a place we call the Chicken Shack. And I don't yeah. take everybody there because it's my best kept secret, but it's like Isan style. Um, like I said, the soy, which is like the area where I live, it's very uh, touristy and there's a lot of like Western food, which is nice, yeah, but yeah. then nice. this is a little gem. Nice. And then do you have a pre-fight meal? A pre-fight meal? Yeah. Okay, so every time after I make weight, I always have a peanut nice. butter and jelly sandwich. Nice, yeah, classic. Yeah. yeah, well, I really appreciate your time and thank you for talking with us today. Um, and for folks watching, um, if you like these videos, please like and subscribe. Uh, and thank you. Thanks, guys.